You know, people are used to, when every single time we talk about spiritual warfare, everybody's mind goes to the devil. Yeah, that's true. We fight. We, we really deal with demonic spirits and their deceit. Remember that Jesus defeated them. Jesus already defeated them. So you are not, you are not engaging them as, as to kind of repeat what Jesus did or improve on what he did. You really enforce him the victory that Jesus already executed and handed over to the church. So you are dealing with their deceit, trying to deceive you not to believe what Jesus did. It's called fight of faith. So you fight with your faith. You fight with the weapons that God provides you. And all of those weapons are based on scripture, based on the cross, and based on what Jesus did. There's no victory outside of Christ on the cross. So we, we dealt with that, but there's another war that is so neglected, and if you don't win this one, you'll be defeated by the demons. This war is so crucial, so important, that we must, must be aware of it because it's raging daily. I titled this The Other War. The Other War. First Peter 2.11. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very soul. That wage war. This is not demonic spirit. This is worldly desires that wage war against your very soul. Peter says, I'm warning every Christian there is another war that is raging. In Galatians 5.15, Paul himself wrote about it. But if you are always biting, devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. 16, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The craving of the sinful nature. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions See why good intentions is not enough. You are not free to carry out your good intentions, but when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. So there is a war raging that we need to be aware of. And losing it is not an option. Like I said, when you lose it, it's a, it's a serious situation. Losing it is not an option. Because it, if you lose it, you you not be able to win the other battle against uh, the other battle. We'll call it battle because it's engagement. You will not be able to win this other engagement against demonic spirits. Uh, let's see what these desires can do. Very terrible, harmful things they can they can do in the life of a Christian. If the flesh dominates you, if he wins out, it leads you to death. The flesh will lead you to death. It will cut your fellowship with God. Look at Romans 8, 6, 4. To be carnally minded is death. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Verse 13. For if you live after the flesh, if you let it dominate you, control you, if you live after the flesh, you shall die. It's not the question, it's not maybe. No, no, you shall die. But if through the spirit, you if through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, then you live. This raging war is serious. The Spirit of God says, if you let the flesh 
dominate you, these desires that war against your soul, you shall die. You will be separated in fellowship from God because you'll be dwelling in the realm and in the sphere that God doesn't dwell. It's called darkness. If the flesh dominates you, it provides the devil a platform to attack you. He gives the devil a legal right to attack you because you, without your knowing, you are supporting his platform. You are giving full support to his platform. And so he attacks you legally. So Ephesians 4.25 tells us, so stop telling lies. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. For we are all part of the same body. 26. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. 27. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. I didn't know a foothold is something that gives you a grip, a place to stand. A place to stand, and then you, you give him a place to stand in your life, but you know his mission is to kill, destroy, and steal. So he will carry it out. If anger will give him a foothold, you can imagine every other thing that is of the flesh will give him a foothold also. The desires of, this, of, the, of the flesh, these desires that wage war against our soul, it slows us down. Just like a virus in a computer slows it down. Way down. And limits its oppression. Or, another scripture says, it says, tangles you and limits you severely. I had, my computer was very slow, and then they've been working on it, trying to help me out. Uh, it, it, will, it, be, it will speed up and then it gets very slow. It's a drag. Turn it on. It takes a while. And I got really frustrated. And at a point, I said, there's something that must be happening here. I said, I'm going to really, I'm not, I'm not computer, I'm not an expert. I said, there's something, this thing must be inside this computer. And I, I said, okay, I'm going to go to the setup and whatever, I'm going to look for whatever is there. I don't know what I'm looking for. I was looking for something. And I went to all the apps and all the downloads. I cleared the history. And in the process, I saw some of these, um, some of these antivirus things that they store. I said, look, it looks like it's these people, because all the time they, they will pop up and, and they want you to renew. I said, maybe they are slowing this thing down to, to trick me to renew. So I, I deleted their app. There was one more. And that one won't let me delete. It, dis, it was playing games, but finally I, saw it, I deleted it. Do you know that immediately I deleted them, my computer became so fast like new. And the Lord said to me, that's what happens to a Christian where he allows these things in his heart. It slows him down. I'm like, wow. It slows him down. It's, it wars against your soul and slows you down spiritually. If you get taught to pray, it's a drag. Everything is a drag. Coming to church, drag. Something has slowed you down. Something is entangling you. A war is raging. Look at it right here. Hebrews 12.1. I'm reading New Living Translation. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Slows us down. Especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. You know, the reason we're also studying this is that these things we have so become so used to them that we have totally accepted them as part of our life. There's no more even any effort to deal with them. We have accepted them as normal. But they are not normal. They are affecting us. It doesn't even, our conscience is so, is so dead in those things that we, have, we don't even, it doesn't bother us. Because so used to it that it has become part of us so much that 
you know, if you stay in a dating environment, pretty soon you stop, you stop smelling the thing. You become, your, your body gets accustomed to the smell. Somebody who comes first, say, this place is, place is smelly. Say, what is smelly? It's because you live there. That's what happens. Little foxes, they spoil the vine. They spoil the vine. And then the AMC, AMPC says that these things entangle us, cling to us and entangle us. I don't know how you fight, how you get engaged spiritually when you're entangled. I don't know who does that. And it causes spiritual blindness. And this is why some Christians don't change. <laughs> I'm not kidding. There have been Christians 18 years starting. They are changing. And they don't even bother about it. Because they're getting so used to this. And no victory, nothing. They won't change. Come to church for years and they are ignorant of basic truths in the Bible. Two people in the same church. One is growing, one is understanding, one is excited, one doesn't know what you're talking about. <laughs> he doesn't know what you're talking about. And they sit in the same church listening to the same teachers. The Bible says they have eyes they cannot see. Because they are not interested. They have no interest in the things of God. So they, they've been so accustomed to all these worldly things that that's the world. That's their comfort zone. That's their comfort zone. Matthew 13, 11. He replied, You are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. Can you imagine that? They are not permitted. Why are they not permitted? So to those who listen to my teachings, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. When people sit in church, while someone is going on, their mind is not there, because they have no interest at all. They're not listening to the word of God. They're not listening. The desires of this world has already eaten their soul up. They are more interested in the worldly things than spiritual things. They are not. So let's read on. Verse 12. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. 13. That is why I use these parables for they look, but they don't really see. They look. They are looking at you. They are not seeing nothing. They hear, but don't really listen to understand or understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened. They have gotten used to this battle. They, they have lost it. Their conscience doesn't bother them about the things. You know there are people in church, they, they lie, they, the, the devil is saying, what kind of people lie more than me? They lie so much, they're used to it. <laughs> used to it, it doesn't bother them. The Bible says they breathe out lies like breathing air. Doesn't bother them. And then you can put other things that a lot of us Christians do, and it doesn't bother us. Hardened heart. Hardened heart. They are not even planning on changing. The heart of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes. So their eyes cannot see, their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me. Let me heal their lives. They can't turn. You talk to them as, your pastor, as their pastor. It's talking like you're a stranger. And they've been in your church for years. They don't understand. 
They don't know what you're talking about. They ask some questions. You wonder, have they ever been to this church? Their heart is hardened. They mock the word of God. It's not important to them. The things that is waging war has, has taken over. Their soul is under constant attack. Look at 1 John 2, 9. It brings blindness. They can't see nothing. They see, they don't see. They hear, they don't hear. First John 2, 9. If anyone claims I am living in the light, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is still living in darkness. He's not seeing anything. Oh, you want to ask how many people sit in pews who have bitterness against other brothers and sisters who have bitterness. And they say, oh, Pastor, you know, for forgiving him or forgiving her. But the next statement they make will show you that the heart is full of bitterness and resentment. Anyone who loves another brother or sister is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates another brother or sister is still living in, walking in darkness. Such a person does not know where to go, confused, having been blinded by darkness. We're talking about this war that is raging against our souls to blind us. But when somebody is blinded, how do you win spiritual warfare? How do you even know where you're going? You see them going from one group to the other, group to the other, find fault from there, they jump to this one. They find fault, they jump. On the phone, they join. After this, they join. They join here. How will such a person not be poisoned by a wrong doctor? How will he escape it? What standard is that person, does he know, that says, this is wrong, I can't go below this standard? None. And the worst is some of them claim they know, because they are blinded. This war is serious. It's very important. Peter says that a Christian that lacks Christian virtue is walking in blindness. And doesn't know anything. Second Peter 2.8. Since these virtues are already planted deep within, and you possess them in abundant supply, they will keep you from being inactive or fruitless in your pursuit of knowing Jesus Christ more intimately. But, this is the thing. But, if anyone lacks these things, he is blind. These virtues is implanted deep within us. We possess them in abundant supply. They will keep us from being inactive or fruitless in our pursuit in knowing Christ when we leave them out, when we allow this, this spirit life to dominate us. We become fruitful in knowing Jesus Christ. But... If the flesh wins this battle and we lack these things, he said we are blind, constantly closing his eyes to the mysteries of our faith. Constantly. Closing his eyes to the mysteries of our faith and forgetting his innocence for, for his past sins have been washed away. He forgets even the basic salvation. Don't even, oh God. Forget the basic things. He's living on neutral. Just coasting along. He knows the Pentecostal palaces. So he can repeat them. But he's, he's blind. So we can see the importance of this thing we're discussing. This war. Let me remind us what we're talking about here. He says... We are temporary residents and foreigners here. 
to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. It's a serious thing. It's key. This is what will happen. All the troubles come from here. So how do we win this important battle over the desires of the flesh and worldly desires that wars against our soul? Starting point is a willing heart to get divorced from the desires of the flesh and the pleasures of the flesh. There has to be a willingness, a, a, a decision to say, I don't want this. Thing. To divorce yourself from the pride of life the pride of an ego of this life, a desire to be changed and to give God your entire life to control, the Holy Spirit cannot force anybody. We must willingly make up our minds who to yield our lives to. It starts from there. There has to be a willingness. Because like I was saying, we have gotten used to some things and we think it's normal. Everybody's doing it. You can't, you can't bring a change when you're everybody. You have to be somebody that has something that, make, that is different for people to take notice of that. If what they are doing is what everybody's doing, why, what, 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 what effect can your life bring? What change can it bring? Because it's not showing anything different. So it starts from a willingness to, to stop these things. Because sometimes there is no desire for it. There's no willingness for it. Second Corinthians 8.12 For if there be first, if there be first a willing mind, there has to be first a willing mind. Not to accept these things as normal. Not accept them as there's nothing I can do about it. Not accept it as, hey, it's our family, we were born like that. There has to be a willingness first. Hebrew eleven twenty four. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose willing choice. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. A willing heart makes up his mind, this is what I choose. Verse 26 says, he thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. A willing heart. A willingness. Second Timothy 4.9. Timothy, please come as soon as you can. Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. He loved the things of this life. This kind of heart, he's not willing. To, he's not willing. In fact, he, he, loves, he loves the desires of the flesh. He's so interested in it. He's not willing at all. So it's in the category that Jesus said their the heart is added. But we saw Moses he had a different desire. And this is no half major issue. There has to be a total willingness to get divorced from the worldly desires and the flesh. Every single time God tells us about dealing with him, he says with all your heart. Every single time, it's with all our heart. There's no half measure with God. It's either you are all in or you're not in. With all our heart. He says, 
Let's read some of them. Matthew 22, 37. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love thy Lord, the Lord thy God with all thy heart. All thy heart. Our heart is everywhere. They must love this present world. So he couldn't love the Lord with all his heart. And with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Let's see another one. Deuteronomy 4.29. But if, but eat from hence, thou shalt seek the Lord thy God. Thou shalt find him if thou seek him with all thy heart. Every single time we're dealing with God, God demands all our heart. We love him with all our heart. We're not sharing it with anything else. You want to see God, he's above everything else. All my heart. All my heart. Becomes my treasure and only treasure. Where my heart is. Deuteronomy 10, 12. And now Israel, what does the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways and to love him and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. All. They must love this present work. They love this. Their heart is there. Their heart is here. There are too many treasures. And God is not the only treasure. It's a problem. It will hinder you. It will affect you. God wants all our heart. All. Not half. Not half. That's why people get, people get weak. Because their heart is everywhere. And if those people do something they don't like, they will sleep. Because their heart is there. Their heart is here. Heart is here. Paul said, none of these things move me. My heart is with Jesus, period. No. Nothing. Nothing. He said, all that matters is Jesus. He has all my heart. He has all my soul. None of these things bother me. They don't bother me. You should take it. My love is it's not a treasure to me. Jesus is all my treasure. We get bothered about those things because our heart is everywhere. <laughs> if your wife doesn't greet you, your husband doesn't greet you, your heart is there, you will sleep. If somebody doesn't greet you, your ego, you love yourself so much, you will sleep. Your heart is everywhere. And Jesus doesn't have it. And out of that comes all the issues of life. But he doesn't have it. He wants us, all our heart, willing heart, all my heart. I want to divorce this things. All my heart. My heart can be in the desires of this world. My heart can be there. God wants it. God wants it. And so this, this scripture teaches us that if we're guided by the Holy Spirit, then we'll not be able to f- f- uh, follow the desires of our flesh. In Gal- Galatians 5.15, but if you are always biting and devouring one another, we read it before, but we need to repeat it because there's something here we need to extract. Watch out. Beware of destroying one another. This is what, this is what happens. <laughs> exactly. We are, we are everybody fighting over things. Because your heart is everywhere. If it's with God, let them take everything you walk away. And God will supply. <laughs> God will supply. Because you gave him your life. He will beautify it. So, but if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. <laughs> 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. 
then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. If the Holy Spirit guides my life, question is how? Question is how now? Then James 1.21 says, So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word, the word God has planted in your heart. Why? For it has the power to save your soul from this thing fighting it. The word of God has the power to save my soul and save your soul. The Holy Spirit gave us his word to be lamp unto where we are and light unto our path so our soul does not drift into darkness. But we don't take the word of God very seriously. Sometimes, some do, some don't. But you know the written scripture is God talking to you and me. Look at Matthew 22, 31. But as to the resurrection of the dead, have you never read what was said to you by God? This is Jesus talking. He said, have you not read what God said? He didn't even say what God wrote. I mean, I think if you read something, there's something written. But he said what God said. It's written, but it is God saying it. This is AMPC. It's God saying have you not read what God said? Which means when I read it, that's God saying it. That's the scripture. That's the scripture. Another scripture says, my son, attend to my sayings. The written word is God's sayings. Jesus said, what God said. In fact, I like this. He said, this was said, but as to the resurrection of the dead, have you never read what was said to you by God? <laughs> God said it. So when the Holy Spirit is guiding me, he gives me his word so that he guides my heart, my soul, in the path of the light of the word, and he assures me that if I can follow that, then I will not, I will win, my soul will be saved. I will not, this other thing will not have it. If I give fully with all my heart, all of my being. Demas didn't. He <laughs> found so many things interesting in the world. So many things. That's what Jesus said to Matthew. Your, your mind is everywhere. Mary's heart is one place. She gave me all her attention. She gave me all her being. She gave me all her heart to follow my word, to follow me. Now you can't take it away from her now. And Jesus said, that's the only thing that's important in this life. But we created so many things that are important to us. So, ah, who can't sleep? They're all important. Fighting wars trying to correct this person, correct the other person. They do this one. How do you do this kind of life? And so, since we are talking about our soul, it's an inner, inner work. Jesus says something interesting, Matthew 23, 26. Blind Pharisee first cleans the inside so change is not artificial. This battle is for the soul. It's raging inside. It's in the soul. It's in your heart. But Jesus said, if you really want to walk in your life, you don't do an artificial outside something. There has to be an inside change, an inside cleansing of the cup and the dish that the outside then will be clean. He said, cleaning starts from where you don't see but the Pharisees were showing people outside. And Jesus said, inside, you, your inside is full of dead men's bones. He said, but outside, people think you are good. No, cleaning starts from inside. That's what Jesus taught us. So the word of God teaches us that cleaning is from inside. And Jesus did it. Second Peter 1, 3. From Second Peter verse 1, from verse 3. By the, his divine power, God has given us everything we need 
for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him. See what, see, see what Peter said. All these things are deeply in us, in abundance. They're in us in abundance. So God has given us, God has given everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this. We have received all of this. Not going to. Receive all of this by coming to know him. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. That's right. And because of his glory and excellence, because of his glory and excellence, he has given us, not going to, given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape so you see, there's an escape. You escape the worst corruption caused by human desires. So you see, you see, the Holy Spirit said, this is how you escape this thing. So. See this war raging? This is how you escape. It won't capture you. This is why you escape. He said, I've given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. You have received it by coming to Christ. He's the one that called you and because of his glory and excellence, he has given you the benefits of the promises fulfilled. And he gave you his divine nature. That when he gave you his divine nature, he provided you escape route from this corrupt nature that the world is living by. That's the guidance of the Holy Spirit. If you follow the Holy Spirit, you will not, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. If you follow him, if you follow his word, According to Peter now, if you follow him, then he will save your soul. And what is the word saying? I've given you everything you need to live a godly life to overcome these things. It's in you in abundance. And I called you myself. And I gave you my divine nature. I changed your nature. and gave you my divine nature that does not respond to all those things. I gave it to you. He said, that's how you have escaped this corruption, this corrupt nature and the things that the world lives with. That's what their, their desire, it responds to their desire. But this one doesn't. This one responds to the desire of the Holy Spirit. If you believe this now, these things will not hold you. Your soul is saved. Your soul is totally saved. You win, you win the war all the time. Titus 1. This letter is from Paul, a slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I have been sent to proclaim faith. I want to listen to this. I have been sent to proclaim faith to those God has chosen and to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives. He said, I've been chosen. I've been called. I've been sent to proclaim faith, the word of faith to those God has chosen and to teach them to know the truth who is Christ that shows them how to live godly life. The Holy Spirit has shown us this is how it is done. It's not by arm, by power of the flesh. It's by faith in what Christ has said, I have given you what I promised you. I have fulfilled it. I gave you Divine nature, so you have escaped the corruption in the world that these people who don't have that divine nature live by. Said, I've come to show you how to live this godly, this godly lives. It's not by laws, for without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's by believing. It's by believing. Verse two. This truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life. Oh, glory. That will have eternal life. Quit God, who does not lie, promised them before the world began. And now, at just the right time, he has revealed this message, which we announced to everyone. What's the message? You have eternal life. You have divine nature. You have a new nature. You have escaped the corruption in the world. You believe this saves your soul. He said, I came to teach you how to live godly lives. By proclaiming this truth to you. You shall know the truth. It sets you free. Your soul is delivered.
Let me read the verse 3 again. And now, at just the right time, he has revealed this message, which we announce to everyone now. It is by the command of God as Savior that I have been entrusted with this work for him. What work? To announce to you that you have eternal life. <laughs> that your life has been changed. God has given you divine nature. His life, his life is in you. You have his nature. You have escaped the corrupt nature of the world. The Bible says, by the word of God, you are solely saved. If you follow the Holy Spirit, you won't, you won't fulfill these things. Who has believed this report? So that the arm of the Lord will be revealed to confirm it. So we have, to, we have to really believe it, acknowledge it, confess the word of the cross to be true. Accomplished for us. Now let, me, let us explain this further so that it will be easier for us to understand. Now, the flesh, the natural tendency to live opposite and in rebellion to God is natural to man, native to him. He was born in sin. Psalm 51.5 Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. This sinful nature, this sinful nature man was born with is like a leopard and a spot. Those marks are native to the leopard and he cannot remove them. No amount of laws you give to a leopard can remove the spot he has. Only God who created that animal can change those things. Jeremiah 13, 23 compares us like that. He says, can the Ethiopian change his skin or a leopard its spots? Then may you also do good who are accustomed to do evil. Can we have a, I have a picture of a leopard. A leopard, I gave it to I don't know if you can put a leopard up there. If you don't have it, we'll continue. Okay, that's a leopard. Beautiful animal. The Bible says this animal cannot change these spots. It's not possible. Okay, you give the, train the, go and train the leopard whatever you want to train the leopard with whatever. These spots are going nowhere. Give the leopard ten commandments. The spots are going nowhere. The Bible compares us to this. That the nature of sin is like these spots in us. It's going nowhere. You can't change your skin. It's going nowhere. I don't care what you do with this animal. Those spots are going nowhere. Only God who made this animal can remove those spots. That's exactly the illustration of our old nature and sin and us. Only God could remove the spots of sin that we were born with. You can't, you can't behave yourself out of it. Ten commandments can do that. Nothing can change this animal. Not, the Bible says, if, if exactly you that are accustomed to sin, you have spots of sin, can you change? Can you remove it? That's exactly what the scripture is saying. So the Bible says that the world the Lord could not do, changing our spots. That God who created us, Jesus, came. The Bible says nothing was made without him. He came and created us and removed this spot, which only him can remove. And we have a divine nature that has no spots of sin. The Bible says you have escaped. You have escaped that nature that's evil. Now you have a new one. And only God could change it. Romans 8.3 For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his son in likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, dealt with sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, who walk by sight, no, but those who walk after the spirit, who believe the testimony of the Holy Spirit. So God sent his son to come and give us this new life, this new life. Remove the spot of sin which no man can change or remove. Only God could do that. He removed it. That's, that's salvation. That's freedom. Because that spot is the problem. That sin nature is the problem. Colossians 2.10. So, so you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. 
when you came to Christ, you were circumcised. See, he removed this thing which nobody could remove. Circumcised, but not by a physical procedure now. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision. The cutting away of your sinful nature. It changed us. He said, hey, all these things to live godly life is in you. I've given you this divine nature. So you have escaped from this corruption. If you get your soul on this, it will save it from responding to this other one. So we need to believe it because without faith it's impossible to please God. We need to believe these truths. Acknowledge them like I said before. Until it becomes a substance in our heart. Romans 6, 11. So let it be the same way, way with you. Since you are now joined with him, you must continually view yourself as dead and unresponsive to sins appear while living daily for God's pleasure in union with Jesus. The anointed one, verse 12. Sin is a dethroned monarch, so you must no longer give it the opportunity to rule over your life, controlling how you live, compelling you to obey its desires and cravings. So you can't say, it's normal. It's not normal. It's not normal. Verse 14, remember this. Sin will not conquer you. For God already has, has, God already has conquered you, taken over and given you his nature. You are not governed by law, but governed by the reign of the grace of God, to God be the glory. Now, another g- g- gift that Christ gave us, which helps us to fight this fight, this, this, this raging war with the disaster of the flesh, is the gift of righteousness. Now, listen, if you do not take this gift of righteousness seriously, you, your faith will never work. Oh, it will... How can it work? On what, on what foundation? It's not going to work. Because you repudiate the work of the cross, you deny it. And then, there is no other source of righteousness except Christ. None. So how can you have faith to stand before God when you don't, when you don't believe the righteousness that God gave you? From where is this confidence coming from? When Christ is our confidence. Romans 3, 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. No flesh will be justified. By the deeds of the law, none. So if you're not going to be justified, so how is faith going to come that you can stand by faith, even confront the devil by faith? You're not going to have that. So Paul knew that. Philippians 3, 8. Yes, Everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else. All this righteousness by the law, discarded every. Remember, I was so zealous for this thing. Everything is counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I became righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with him depends on faith. That's the only way. Brethren, there is no other righteousness available to man in this dispensation except that which Christ provides to you because your righteousness is as fitting right before God. It can work. And if you reject that, you have faith, you can't reign. Sin will reign over you. Flesh will reign over you. You can't reign. You can't even assess your blessings. Because you will be trying to present your own righteousness, which is, which is trash. Your, your faith must find its foundation in Christ and what he did for you. And see what people who accept this righteousness do. Romans 5.17, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin. They will overcome. They will win this battle over sin and death. 
through this one man, Jesus Christ. You see, they say, oh, are you saying we can come? He said, no, you do, you're not coming to. Because if you have this, if you accept this righteousness, the power of God will walk in you. The Bible says when you accept it, you cannot reign over sin, over death, over all these things. You walk in victory. Because your faith is your victory. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. How can you please God when, you are, when your faith is dead? You don't have the foundation for it. You don't have the word of God that builds it. How do you, where, where does it come from? So this thing, you, you are not going to commit sin. Is it by your power? You've been committing already. Because you're walking in an evil heart of unbelief already. And God warned us, he said, I'm warning you people not to walk in this evil heart of unbelief. He said, they provoked me with it. It's to call God a liar. So, I want to warn us about this self-righteousness thing. Because a lot of people troop there. I call it the cause of self-righteousness. He leaves one totally defeated all the time. Our Lord Jesus condemned it vehemently because of its pride. It's the pride of men to show off their they are what they have achieved by the arm of their flesh. They are, they are looking God in the face and saying, I don't need your righteousness. I can, I can do it. That's, that's arrogance. The Pharisees were good at that. God, Jesus condemned it vehemently. From creation, man has been trying to produce self-righteousness. In Genesis 3, 7, and the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. You see, they fought of man to cover his nakedness so he can look good before God. That's what self-righteousness is. Verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves. You see, self-righteousness will never build faith. This is what produces fear. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. That's all it does. How will this kind of life overcome? But this is what people troop to. The religious Pharisees made it their shade, their cover. These are saying you are the ones that justify yourself. It was their place of coverage. They are not sitting under the shadow of God. Sitting under the shadow of a fig tree. Fig tree is what Adam used. What religious Pharisees, where they sit. This is a, the scripture is teaching us a lot of details here. Look at the first John 47. I mean, John 147. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guy. Oh, yeah, no guy. Nathanael said unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou was under the fig tree. Significant. The Holy Spirit is illustrating something. That's where the Pharisees sit for shadow. Remember, this is Middle East. Remember, it's heat. So they, they go, that's why they find their shadow. Fig tree. Self-righteousness. Yeah, this man is without God. So that's why they go. Paul said concerning the law, perfect. He sat under the fig tree. I saw you there. <laughs> That's not where you should be sitting. That thing won't cover you. I saw you there. An interesting conversation in verse 49. Natalia answered and said to him, Rabbi, thou art the son of God. Did you hear anybody say that before this man? Thou art the son of God. Thou art the king of Israel. 50. Jesus answered and said unto him, because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree where we were taking shade. Believest thou? It's only when you believe in me, Nathaniel. Thou shalt see greater things than these. 51. And he said unto him, verily, verily, I saw unto you, hereafter now you shall see heaven open. I am the door to God. Get out of that your victory shadow. It, will, it won't cover you. Come under the shadow of God. It won't, that thing won't cover you. 
If you believe, you see heaven open. I'm the door to God. I see, you see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. I'm the gateway, Nathaniel. It's not through your self-righteousness. It's not the fig tree. These people covered, these people sat and died <laughs> as cover. But they don't cover from elements. Come to Christ, connect you to heaven. So it was their hope of glory, their self-righteousness, which this where many people camp. Romans 10, 3. For they, they being ignorant of God's righteousness, which many people are, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. When Christ came, the law ceased to be a means of righteousness because nobody ever obeyed it all. The end for righteousness to everyone who believed. So how did righteousness come? Second Corinthians 5, 21. For he had made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Period. There's no other way you are made righteous. This is it. If you, if you want to sit under the canopy of fig tree, enjoy yourself. But you're not going to see what Jesus is saying. Angels up and down upon the Son of Man. He said, when you believe in me, when you believe, you sit. And I said, I saw you where you are sitting. It's not the place you should sit. Fig tree covering. Sons of Adam. So the Lord caused the victory. You see the story of this victory. Significant. The Lord caused it. Why? It doesn't produce fruit. Self-righteousness does not produce fruit. It produces leaves, looks like, oh, wonderful. But God is looking for fruit. And it doesn't produce it. It's a cost thing. Mark eleven twelve, And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. God's, the Bible said, God I'm looking for fruit. Not leaves. Tartan, and seen a fig tree. You see, ask yourself, why fig tree here, fig tree here, fig tree here? The scripture does not talk in vain. See the fig tree afar off having leaves. Adam used the leaves to cover himself. Nathaniel sat under the leaves as cover. Having leaves, he came. If happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For the time of it was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto him, No man eats fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciple had it. Because he was not producing fruit. Jesus came seeking for fruits, not leaves. Hey, self-righteousness does not produce the fruit. The fruit. No. It doesn't. It's all foolish. People think, well, oh, foolish. People think, like, the, like, the, like the, Jesus said, As outwardly people think you are good. Leaves, 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 but no fruit. So we must learn to accept the righteousness of God so that our faith in the Son of God will produce victory over sin, over this war. We walk in victory all the time. For our faith is our victory. Those that believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Natalia said, you are the Son of God. And Jesus said, now you believe. But I saw you under, I saw you taking shadow there. Now you should be here because I'm the way to heaven. Next week we'll be dealing with entirely the other, we'll deal with spiritual deliverance. We're going to deal with how to deal with your flesh, this body of flesh, how the scripture teaches us to deal with it. Today we talked about faith in what Christ has given you, the new nature you have, you have escaped. You've got to believe it. You've got to see yourself that I can escape from this thing. And you have a new nature that doesn't respond to this. Your interest in this will die. Paul said, I died to the world on the cross. Period. was separated right there. I got a new nature. was separated. We don't, we don't have any connection. 
None of these things move me. My heart is only in Christ. That I might know him. He has all my heart, all my soul, all my focus. He's my treasure. With all my heart, I seek him. With all my being, I love him. With all my being, I serve him by my spirit. So next week, we'll talk about the sacrifice that the priest must present, which is important in this battle. Let us pray. Father, we just want to thank you again for what you taught us tonight. Trust you that will help us to understand this word so we win. So we win. So our joy shall be full. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.